<laughs> Good afternoon and, and welcome everyone live from Harrison County, West Virginia. We welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast, a show designed to help you change your state. We want you to live better, eat better, exercise better, rest better, and in general, improve your quality of life. I'm Gary Bowden, a Healthy Harrison board member, and our co-host is Amy Haberbosch-Wilson. She's the vice president of the Healthy Harrison Board of Directors. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. We've got a slew of guests today, as anyone joining us can see. Uh, we're streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as on the statewide distribution network of our media partner, uh, WVNews.com. Every week at this time, we're chatting with individuals who are focused on the same mission as Healthy Harrison. We're trying to foster measurable improvement to the health and well-being of the citizens in North Central West Virginia. And we hope uh, someday to have a template that we can take out to many counties and the entire state of West Virginia. Today, we're not going to be pushing you into the gym. Uh, we're not going to be presenting you with uh, a new diet. We're going to discover how mindfulness can improve your health by reducing stress, anxiety, and other personal challenges that we battle every day. We'll be uh, chatting with David Harshberger, or just, is it just Dave? Uh, Dave is fine, Gary. Okay, Dave Harshberger. He's the wellness manager for WVU Health Sciences. He and his team, some of whom are with us, as you can see, and will be joining our conversation, uh, they manage an on-site wellness program for more than 8,000 employees uh, at WVU Health Sciences. Uh, the team members joining us today are Anthony Danko, who's a communications specialist. Welcome, Anthony. Laurel Falkenberry, who's a clinical therapist. Uh, Julie Brevchinsky-Lewis, PhD and neuroscientist and Nicole Gauthier-Schatz, a yoga teacher. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. And I Thank think you. I got everybody? Okay, and everybody can hear and see us. Uh, we're all cool to proceed. Okay, I wanted to make sure. Like Brady Bunch now. All right, well, yeah, it does, does look a little like that. Uh, Dave, you're your team leader, so we're gonna lead off with sure. you. And, yeah, and thanks, Gary and Amy. Thanks for having us. So, and in that we're talking mindfulness, we're going to start <laughs> off off at the top, as you might say. Um, what is mindfulness? How and when did did someone decide that better health isn't just about nutrition and exercise? So, I'll I'll kick us off in terms of how we got started. And five years ago, uh, Dr. Clay Marsh, who's our dean and vice president of the health sciences here at WVU, charged a group of us um, based on a, some survey results that showed that a lot of people, in fact, it was almost half of the people that responded to the survey, didn't really connect with a sense of purpose at work and felt stressed a majority of the time. And so the charge was, how can we take really what is our, our sick care environment and try and create more of a well care environment for our employees or students or staff on campus. And from that was born the mindfulness group. And all of us have sort of different roles on our campus and other areas, but have a common interest and uh, background around mindfulness. And the, the group that is, that is with us today 
has been delivering this type of a program for the last four or five years. And Anthony is in charge of kind of helping get that word out and connecting us with different groups on campus. And Anthony, I'll let you kind of speak to that if you would. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Uh, so my name is Anthony Dancombe, the communication specialist for the mindfulness team, or uh, as we like to refer to ourselves, the uh, mindfulness squad. Uh, so we kind of tie in uh, three areas of expertise between Laurel and uh, being a clinical therapist uh, with her decades experience in mindfulness and addiction. Um, Nicole Gautier Schatz with, with her nearly three decades as a yoga teacher and yoga therapist and stress management specialist as well in the Morgantown area. And then uh, last but certainly not least, Julie Brzezinski Lewis with her expertise being in neuroscience uh, and actually a specification in uh, researching mindfulness and its effects on compassion. Uh, so my job is just to tie the three of those together and then kind of uh, reach the different bases of WVU, WVU medicine and health sciences. Uh, so for the past four years almost, we've been able to reach uh, a combined thousands, uh, thousands of individuals from WVU medicine and WVU and uh, it's been a, an exciting journey thus far. Some of the things we're going to talk about uh, are, are certainly just, are, are not unique just to WVU uh, staff and em employees. Uh, we all have numerous distractions and worries. Can anyone learn to incorporate mindfulness into each day? And again, one of you jump in and tell, what's mindfulness? I mean, I, I it's awareness, but awareness of what <laughs> thank you thank you i'll jump in and then okay. nicole and julie thank you for for starting off with that you know exactly what is mindfulness other than well paying attention in the present moment is really difficult um we have so many distractions so many and um i'll talk a little bit later maybe about the influence of the pandemic but that has well i'll get into that later but john kabat-zinn is called the father or the main person who brought over the idea of mindfulness from the East to the West, to the United States, to University of Massachusetts in Boston in the late 1970s. So his definition of mindfulness, which is used often as the basic definition is, mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So it says a lot. So it's about bringing awareness back into your body, the connection of mind and body through the breath. This is the way that we come back into our body is through awareness of the breath. This is the key cornerstone of mindfulness is using the breath to come back into the body and to shows us what's happening. So mindfulness shows us what's happening in our bodies, emotions and our minds and connecting all of that. Um, and getting a balance, a balance of acceptance of the present experience as it is, accepting the present experience as it is, and receiving the present moment, pleasant or unpleasant, without judgment, pleasant or unpleasant, just as it is, without either clinging or rejecting it. Without either saying clinging. Without judgment. Are, are, are we judgmental of ourselves? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know that like 70, there was a study quite a few years ago, at least 75% of our self-talk judgment. Okay. 
at least 75%. So as a therapist, I encourage people to get aware, aware of their thoughts okay. and mindfulness helps you. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank well, I like you. How you've broken down and I, I don't know if you're all aware of the healthy Harrison mission. Um, but how does the, this, um, mindfulness actually integrate with our mission? Well, well, it's funny because because uh, Gary had mentioned, oh, we're not going to do, you know, telling you to exercise or, or eat right. But <laughs> right. that's actually the gap that John Cabotson, who Laurel talked about, found that people, he had cardiac patients and they were told, all right, you need to eat better, go see a dietitian, exercise more, go to cardiac rehab and reduce your stress. They didn't have tools to do that third element of restoring one to health. And so it's kind of, you know, this is a little bit of a missing piece for people who are, are trying to become healthier. Yeah. How does it specifically, um, I guess, benefit the overall well-being of a person? We talked about each of the pieces, like you said, the mind, body, soul, the breathing, that was really interesting too. So the overall effect, which of course gets to our mission, our end goal? Um, I could start with that. Um, <laughs> why should we practice mindfulness? It's about being more aware, but mainly it's about where we place our attention. So we place our attention with mindfulness in present moment right now with whatever experience is happening. So uh, the research and science uh, show, and Julie will cover that, that mindfulness greatly benefits stress, anxiety, and depression. And it lessens rumination, you know, the obsessive thoughts that come back over and over again. But I think one of the main, one of the main um, benefit of meditation that is very important for people is that it modulates our emotions. So we become more aware of when we're hijacked by strong emotions and start going down the rabbit hole. So we create space between us and the stressor. So we increase our ability to respond more calmly and with less reactivity. So your fuse gets longer and that has a better response. It can have a very powerful effect on your physiology, for instance, such as reducing heart rate and blood pressure, releasing pent up uh, stress and pain. And, and we'll address the issue of pain a little later on. Well, I think that's a good way of explaining it. Um, we're, I'm starting to understand a little bit better. Um, and we live in a, a world right now with these instant answers, instant answers instant gratification, uh, social media culture. How much time do you all feel that we need to invest? Uh, and when can we really expect any kind of benefits from this? I know it's not overnight. But some, it's actually a little kind of <laughs> close. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the next best thing, I, the one study that's actually um, become a classic in the field is on pain. And the, the participants in that study had never meditated before. They were you know, taught mindfulness for four days and they had a reduction in their perceived and intensity of their pain and a change in their brain. And some of the studies that I did uh, back in Madison, we, we had these super like expert meditators with 10,000 plus hours of meditation compared those to just people had learned a week ago how to meditate and really they had the same pattern <laughs> so oh. it's, it's relatively simple to learn and 
what's really kind of cool is just, you know, these little short moments can make a difference, but that change of attitude that Laurel was talking about, that non-judgmental attitude, sometimes there's a study that was on burned out physicians, you know, and a lot of people have really taxing jobs, you know, that can take a toll on our mental health. And they did an eight week course with mindfulness and burnout on all dimensions was reduced. But what was really cool is they stopped the program, checked in on them a year later, and it was still reduced. So it's kind of promising. Well, that's really important then, because I, you know, I, when I looked over that thinking it is, we, we do live in this world where we want instant, we want the likes, we want to see results immediately. Nobody wants to, oh, you know, it's fine. It'll take a couple of years. And we at Healthy Harrison, we continue to push these micro habits, just a little bit at a time, make little changes. To think that a little change like that, you're going to see an instant gratification. You're going to see an instant difference. I mean, that that's huge. Right. And maybe right. not instant, but, you know. Right. Because you're going to feel better immediately or you're going to feel something. Yeah. Right. Going. Excuse me, but Amy, if you'd like a minute or two of a guided meditation, we can do that. I'll leave that up to you. That's really interesting too. Yes. I know we've talked about food before. We've talked about the exercising. You know, sometimes people think, okay, I walked a mile. Why don't my clothes fit differently? You know, I just had a, a salad. Why don't I feel different? If it can make a difference in a minute or two, I think that's really interesting. Gary, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, you want to do that now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, that, <laughs> I, I'm fine with that because I know Laura's on a little bit of, Laurel is on a tighter schedule today. So uh, you can keep it to around a minute or so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's we'll do it. Okay. Okay. So everyone who's listening, if you would uncross your legs if they're crossed and sit up comfortably straight, not erect like a soldier, but comfortably straight. Um relaxing your body, but straight so the energy can flow. And then you may close your eyes or let your eyes fuzzy gaze down to the floor. Either one, close your eyes if it's safe, feel safe and comfortable or a fuzzy gaze to the floor. So go ahead and do that now. And now we'll begin by feeling your feet in your shoes. Feel your feet in your shoes, your toes, your feet. Feel your feet connected to the ground and the earth. Feel that connection of stability and strength. And now bring your awareness to feeling the weight of your body on your chair. Feeling the full weight of your body on your chair. Where your body makes contact with the chair, bringing your awareness there. And now bring your awareness to your breath. Your next inhalation, that slight pause that's natural before the exhalation, and then that slight natural pause again before the next inhalation. And notice yourself breathing, maybe even noticing the temperature of your breath in your nostrils. Is it cool or is it warm? And feeling your breath flow like the waves on the ocean. Easy in, easy out, without holding or forcing in any way. Just letting it go. With every exhalation, letting go a little bit more into this present moment. Allowing your breath to anchor you 
to the here and now. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, just being here present in this moment with your breath in your body. And as your mind wanders to thoughts, as it will, that's what minds do, just bring your awareness back to your breath. As thoughts come, just gently and kindly without judgment, bring your awareness back to your breath. And now bring your awareness to your room and open your eyes. And how do you feel? Check in with yourself. Very relaxed, yeah. I was gonna say, very nice, but I've forgotten what we were talking about now. So. <laughs> oh, what show actually is a good thing, right? If you do yeah, that, that exa work, exactly. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have to go back to my notes. I do want to remind people that uh, our weekly podcast is brought to you by WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and uh, our media partner, Interaction Media. This is after that exercise with with Laurel. Th this is a good time to. Uh, I want to jump off into a it, it's into an issue that we're faced with today in our society, and that's for whatever reason we've found a way to cross over science and politics. Uh, but I want to go there for a second because I, I'm I'm curious curious at this point where we are now as to scientific benefits to practicing mindfulness that might exist out there? Do we have a data pool that we can say, oh yeah, this works? Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's really exploded over the last couple of decades. When I first entered the field in the early 2000s, I was told I might ruin my career and reputation. <laughs> it was just considered a little fringe. Yeah. But now the studies, you know, there's been enough large randomized control studies, you know, again, looking at the quality and quantity of the science has shown, especially for things like depression, anxiety, pain, um, stress, quality of life, all those things have really panned out in study after study. So when they do, they bring all the good studies together and they do a meta-analysis, you can see these things, they're standing the test of time. It's not just one study here or there. It, it's really something that that is, you know, and all of us can, I think, relate to one of the things on that list, you know, either stress or maybe yeah. we feel like we need a little something. Let me let me get the guys back into this conversation by asking how you go about designing and implementing a plan to work with thousands of people at WVU. Uh, I'll start, Andy. Um, we we have gone virtual in most of our offerings currently, and so that allows our system to participate in a lot of our programs that we offer. Um, Pre-COVID, we were doing daily sessions where people could just drop in to meditate. We have a, a series, uh, a program that's a series that we offer, and we, we really have tried to target the different schools in the health sciences. So, for example, the School of Pharmacy, Dentistry, Medicine, Nursing, mm -hmm. we, we go to their orientation of, of new students, and we expose them to mindfulness. And from that, we, we start to create inroads into the different schools and become part of ideally the culture. 
Anthony, I don't, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, you want to you want to explain where you step in as the communications specialist? Yeah, so kind of building off of what uh, Dave mentioned there. Uh, so to be able to reach, because everybody's at a different level. So we have students, staff, faculty, and then employees of uh, WVU Medicine. And kind of the way that I like to describe it is like, if you go to a restaurant, you have your different options as far as like appetizers, entrees, and desserts. So we break our program and offerings down into the, into the appetizers, uh, entrees, or desserts. So meditation being 20 minutes. So we offer three meditations weekly each by Nicole, Laurel, and Julie. So those are the sessions just to keep those day-to-day -day kind of practices going. Uh, we do mindfulness workshops, which is a sample and kind of a variety of our offerings between the three of them, just to give uh, a little bit of exposure and awareness to what mindfulness can look like, whether it's mind-body connection with yoga uh, and kind of engaging the neuroscience of it or Laurel's aspect and uh, getting more in touch with the emotional aspect. And then for those who are like really committed and really want to experience mindfulness, we have a six-week program, which is our flagship program, Mindful Steps. Uh, and through that, uh, people can participate and, uh, you know, through the completion of that, get a certificate uh, to become an ambassador and then be able to represent meditation and mindfulness uh, to groups beyond themselves. Have you had feedback? Is it working? Did, did you hear that? I, I did, did. Do you have feedback? Is it working? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we we do pre and post polls. Uh, you know, between each classes, just to kind of gauge where the stress levels are, and we see dramatic differences from people entering the class uh, as the hour begins, and then by the end of it, after mind-body exercises, um, you know, meditation on sensations, uh, and then understanding, hey, how does this work? Uh, we see people's stress levels dramatically decrease uh, through that. And then over time, over that six weeks, it, yeah. you know, just, uh, you know, we see good results through that. Amy, back to you. Okay. Well, I guess I'll, I'll jump into the, the pandemic. I know a lot of people yeah. right now are dealing with all these stresses of juggling work and family life and pandemic just might be justified in saying, you know, I'm burnt out. And I think truly they are, we feel like we are. And you may have already answered this. Can the practices promote relief? I think I felt it already, but how do you, how are you measuring those? How are you seeing that it actually is providing relief and how long does it take? Hmm. I don't know which one wants to answer that. <laughs> A toss up question. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Nicole, Julie, do you want to try that one? Laurel, do you want to talk about it first? I can. I can yeah, yeah, in other words, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm burned. I'm, I'm burned out. Man, I'm exhausted. I'm totally right. spent. Uh, right. Presumably, you, you can help me get past right. this. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what happens is that a lot of doctors are actually sending people to yoga as stress relief. And also because the breathing is so incredible. It can really, it's very healing. It's, uh, it's a comfort and soothing to pay attention to your breathing. It brings you in present moment, but it's also, it strengthens your respiratory system. So during COVID, this has been a very important practice. 
uh, we want to strengthen the diaphragm and the respiratory system to be able to just in case, <laughs> just in case you get COVID and uh, or the aftermath or long haul COVID. And also yoga has relaxation. Uh, the relaxation aspect helps you to, to kind of relax and to perceive pain differently as well. So yoga has a lot of practices that are very helpful in this time of COVID. Anyone else? Yeah. Well, the emotional aspect, you know, like we've talked about, when we meditate on the breath, um, we notice the emotion, we notice the thoughts, we notice the, the connection between thought and emotion. And being able to notice the emotion, like Nicole said, getting some distance and lengthening that fuse it, and noticing that um, you're able to work with it. You're able to notice that emotions come and go, that they don't stay, um, that thoughts come and go. Um, just the fluidity of it's not always going to be this way. And fear, our sense of fear has risen um, on many accounts, political, pandemic. So it's so important, like Nicole and Julie have talked about, to come into the present moment of I'm safe, I'm with my breath. And until you experience this, it's hard to talk about, right, Nicole? Right, Julie? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about. And I, Nicole was hoping to share a yoga pose or a breathing technique. We hope, Amy and um, Gary, that you could come to one of our one-hour classes um, because it's hard to, to convey all of this in this time. Sure. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, just the breathing, just that one minute. And I did look at the clock thinking, wow, I felt like it was longer than that. But <laughs> I, I actually once once did that in a scientific lecture with like 500 scientists. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was a uh, you know, academic conference. And wow, the whole energy of the room changed in just 20. I just did a 20 second one. And wow. it, it, it's it, like a really reset. Just, it just takes that energy, which is this yes. you know, momentum and just ooh, let's take a little break from that. So when they're saying that they're burnout, how how often should they do? It? Is it once a day? I mean, when well, you're feeling it, is it normal practice? Some of the burnout studies do have more of a the, the traditional mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is maybe about half an hour to forty-five minutes a day. But I think it could be less. You know, burnout has a few components that are really well characterized: that emotional exhaustion, that kind of numbness that can make people a little bit mean sometimes, uh, like a little. Brussels, you know, you get kind of a temper um, and just um, you start to <laughs> go down in your performance of whatever you're trying to do in life. Uh, and mindfulness has been shown, you know, daily practice, again, was improving over this eight week period, all three dimensions of those burnout. And then it continued even when they weren't doing the practices often. So I would say that if you wanted to start this as a practice, maybe set yourself a time, like say, well, for eight weeks, I'm gonna really try to do it every day. And then maybe after making that little promise to yourself one month, you know, two months, I'm just really gonna try this as a daily habit then, you know, just see where it takes you. And maybe you don't have to do quite as much every day, but you get the kind of swing of it. Yeah, the good reset. Yeah, the breathing technique. And those are the ones that I guess are stressed and burnout, but let's cross over into, you know, the diagnosis of depression and anxiety. This versus running to the medicine cabinet and trying to, you know, they've been prescribed sometimes several different medicines. Exactly, Amy. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 no. That's, that's all right. No, go ahead. I just, 
the difference in the two. I, I'm not um, I'm not a fan of medicine. I always like to look at alternative ways to deal with it first, but sometimes you, you do have to, you are medicated for this. So the overlap of the two, how they work together. They work together really well, very well. And I, I use this guided meditation and mindfulness with my clients when they're ready. Um, they have to build up a trust and a confidence with me first. And, um, and some people like their eyes closed, some people don't. Um, it can, you know, not, not feel safe, especially depending on the person's trauma history. Mm -hmm. We have to go slow and take it easy with that. And it might, I might not introduce mindfulness for quite a while, but for generalized normal levels of anxiety and depression, mindfulness is, is wonderful. And you can do like some days I just do five minutes. Some days I don't do it, but like Julie said, if you just do it basically like you are promoting just little baby steps yeah. just just do a couple minutes just do a couple minutes throughout the day spill it you know take a pause amy like you were saying kind of just like a reset a pause um we need to unplug every now and then just a little bit it doesn't you know so okay. nicole or when yeah, I, I know Laurel has to go, but there there are studies that show that the um, effect size, which is how drugs and therapies are measured scientifically, like how strong is their effect? Like one would be a complete cure. The effect size is something like Prozac is 0.32 for depression. So again, it doesn't work for everyone, but 0.32 is pretty good. And meditation was 0.31, um, you know, mindfulness-based uh therapy for for depression so it's not we're not going to say you know do one versus the other and right. and laura was saying they work really excellent together but but the studies have shown a really strong effect size of course you're including people who want to meditate so there is a bias uh you know it may not be for everyone and and you know find what works for you but, but seemingly someone successful at practicing some of these techniques might find that they don't need to go to the medicine cabinet anymore. They might not need the prescription. Prescription is that is that a true statement? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That can happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And and Laurel, uh, we do thank you. I know you mentioned you do uh, have uh, a commitment at at one o'clock. We we appreciate your insights and your help, and thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Thank and, you. I hope to meet you again in one okay. of our. <laughs> All right. And, and I do want to get to um, yoga that's been brought up a couple of times. So Noga, Nicole, we're going to come to you in a second. I want to remind uh, the folks watching again that we could not do this podcast weekly without our benefactors. And the, the folks that help us sponsor this weekly are WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com. Uh, and interaction media. So in that I know you're our yoga specialist, I am gonna to come to you, uh, Nicole, um, and, and I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit because I, I don't know that we need to explain what totally what yoga is, but I'll let, I'll let you answer. But what I was curious about is for someone that kind of knows that I, I wouldn't be able to sit still, I wouldn't be able to be anchored into a little area, changing, transitioning poses and all for very long. Uh, and, and maybe yoga is not right for them. So in, additionally, in addition to explaining how yoga can help, are there also practices 
that are movement oriented for people that, as I started out the long question, can't sit still. <laughs> yes, there is. So one of the practice can be what's called a walking meditation, which is simply walking very slowly, coordinating your breath with each step. And that can bring in present moment, induce a state of mindfulness, and, uh, and you're moving. So for the people who can't sit still, so you can do this in nature, or you can uh, walk from your office to the bathroom and, and take your step very carefully and breathe really slowly in and out of your nose. Um, there's also other practices such as, <clears throat> excuse me, repeat a positive affirming world, word to yourself over and over again, inhale, exhale, say peace inhale, say, uh, well-being or whatever. So these are helpful for people who really can't sit still. And then also, I'd like to do a little experience of this right now that's going to really help everybody. And I think it's going to be really easy. So we're all going to bring our right hand up to our face about four inches away from our mouth. Got that? Good. Now, I want you to imagine that your hand is a mirror and that when you breathe out of your mouth, you're fogging the mirror. Everybody can do that. Now, when you inhale with your mouth open, you're going to unfog the mirror. So it's exhale and then unfog the mirror, inhale. Do it one more time. Now close your mouth and reproduce that sound in the back of your throat very lightly. It's going to sound like a whisper. Bring your hand down on your lap. Now continue to be aware of that sound in the back of your throat with your jaw relaxed, your throat relaxed. So there's a very gentle a contraction of the glottis in the back of the throat, which restricted, restricts the back of your throat. So you're hearing that whisper sound very slowly. This helps to lengthen the inhalation and exhalation calm the mind and bring the fragmented mind into present moment. Now let's bring movement into that. Come forward on your chair, continue this breathing, bring the arms alongside the body and drop them, creating space between your ears and your shoulders. And now inhale, bring the arms out to the side and up towards the ceiling with the inhale. At the apex of your inhale, turn the palms out and slowly lower the arms all the way back down on the exhale. At the end of the exhale, turn the arm palms again up, bring the arms above your head all the way up, inhaling. Very light and subtle and then exhale the arms back down alongside the body. Now take the palms of your hands on your lap and just for a moment, close your eyes. Continue to feel the breath in the back of your throat and feel your mind becoming more calm and at ease, your body relax. So this is a very simple, quick little practice you can do in your office. Like every half hour, stop for one minute and I kind of specialize in one minute things for workers. So all kinds of, of uh, practices to help you connect with yourself. Uh, we also tell this to our nurses who take our, you know, our medical healthcare pra practitioners or even people in retail, even if you can do that standing, you know, maybe you're not 
moving your arms <laughs> unless you get into a break room but you can that breath is invisible to other people they, they can't hear it but you can do the practice and just create a little bit of like unwind between patients or between customers or between emails nicole yeah, because, how, how does the yoga that most of us know where we're transitioning from poses, I guess yoga that might be considered more related to physical exercise. How, how does that help? Well, there are different types of yogas. Okay. And I mean, and what you just described is called vinyasa, which is connecting breath and movement. And, and that can be really wonderful for some people and other people who have joint issues, arthritis, or, or getting older, or so on and so forth. They might need a gentler practice of hatha yoga, for instance. So the benefits of yoga is that it greatly increases your body awareness. So you're more aware of your body's capacity for movement, and you can, you know, uh, adjust that. Uh, you're, it improves sleep. I mean, everybody that's taken classes yoga tell me that it really improves sleep. And sleep right now, it is just an epidemic of people that are that are not able to sleep or that have insomnia or, or get up at night and are unable to go back to sleep. So yoga, because of its relaxation and breath component, can really help with that. Uh, also, I mentioned the increased respiration, which is hugely important because your breathing is really connected to your mood. You can really modulate your mood and your mental states through your breath. Um, it can also improve athletic abilities. I mean, they teach yoga, you know, right here. Right. In, yeah. Right. And uh, so, and it's very important for relief of anxiety and depression because people really get in touch with themselves and then um, <clears throat> relax and, uh, and, and look deeper at, at what is happening at the root of what is happening with depression and stuff. And I also find that yoga is wonderful for faster recovery of all kinds. So if you get injured, if you're a practitioner, you recoup faster. Um, also, if you have uh, um, an emotional uh, disappointment, you know, you've been hijacked by an emotion, you can come back more quickly. So um, I think it's in, yoga has a ton of benefits and there's actually a lot of studies and research being done in yoga and yoga breathing right now. We're a little bit over our normal time or yeah i know this is beneficial those of you remaining are you good for just a couple more questions real quick sure okay go ahead amy well no i was gonna i know looking at the clock too um so we understand what it is the benefits of it um their link they're hooked to this anthony david i don't know if you want to talk about the resources where do we go now where do we sign up for this where do we get more information on it Absolutely. Uh, so there, there's two different resources. Uh, like, so under the umbrella of wellness, you can find us at uh, wbmedicine.org slash wellness. There's a mindfulness tab on there. So that'll give the background on Julie, Laurel, and Nicole, as well as the program. And then uh, for those that actually enroll and sign up for our programs, we do have a specific website uh, called mindfulstepswb.com. And that's kind of a more uh, focused mindfulness library, if you will, uh, video, audio, content, uh, workshops, and, and all of the like. And on our website, we also have um, recorded sessions 
of the meditation classes, uh, the mindful steps class. So people can, can view that from the website as well. That's great. And a Facebook page that you can link to or just look up mindful steps to be under Facebook. Okay. Good to know. Great information. And um, I guess the next question I have virtual, we're doing a lot of things virtual. You say you can do some of this stuff. Do you recommend, or does it really matter in person or take these classes on your own? Well, it's, it's certainly nice if you can do it in person, but the, the, the ability to be able to reach a broader audience from across a region, um, you know, is sort of weighing both. And so ideally we'd like to continue to offer both, but right now we have stuck to virtual, but in the future, we do hope to continue the virtual, but also have the in-person to have the human connection be a part of it. Right. Are the yeah, classes right now, virtually live? Yeah, right now I'm teaching yoga virtually at noon, like uh, three days a week, and we'll add a Saturday class so anybody can join, and there's classes of different level. It's not ideal, of course, because I can't attend to each of my students, but I think it's working very well. Students really appreciate coming to class, and I think they're getting a lot of benefits because many of them are at work. And they actually can do the practices. We can do chair yoga, we can do restorative yoga, so we can do different types of yoga that is helpful for the person that is office bound, for instance. And it's still it's live, you know, I think that's important. Then you can ask the instructors questions, or even if you are enrolled but asynchronous, you can still ask us questions, which is different than maybe being in a big course or just like downloading an app, which you wouldn't be able to ask any questions. Right. No, that's good. I, I love the options. I like, you know, you can watch the recorded version if you want, if you have time, when you have time, um, take the, the virtual class. You really don't have to go into the classroom, but yet you're still there or just being in person and you've got your options. Yes. At the end of class, we, I unmute everybody. And sometimes we're 15 minutes additional time with questions and what's helped them. And uh, I think that's, and it really connects us. I mean, we formed a little a yoga community right online and it's working. So I think that we have achieved something very important for people to relieve their stress and, um, and just become, uh, feel part of a community. Support. Yes, we found that through every podcast that support you have to have support through this. So it looks like you all have that very much appreciate the whole team here today. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to cover all, all that we've covered in in uh, 45 minutes, but I know I still have a list of questions, but this was yeah, good. I'm we relaxed. appreciate you uh, hanging on a little bit longer. Uh, I, I will say that um, uh, to folks watching that uh, uh, John Paul Nardelli, our executive director, uh, I know communicates with Dave Harshbarger, and uh, I would hope that they can get together and, and maybe uh, mention some of those or highlight some of those resources that would be available immediately to people uh, on some of the uh, Facebook pages and sponsor pages that uh, uh, where we talk about some of the things that Healthy Harrison is doing in our community. But thank you all, yeah. Julie. Nicole, Dave, Anthony, wonderful. Good stuff. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. We're, we're working so hard to try to present as many options as possible for people to find ways to improve themselves, you know, on their own. Uh, you know, we, we don't want them to have to ever go to the doctor. We want them to 
find ways to to relax, to eat better, to exercise better, to get more enjoyment out of life. And I think some of the things we're doing and certainly the things we've talked about today are all uh, an inspiration and, and can be very helpful to folks. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you again. Those of you that can stay on for a, an extra minute, I'm going to wrap up, but just hold on the call if you can. And uh, John Paul might join us and we'll just chat for a second before we uh, depart. But I want to thank folks for watching us uh, today. Uh, this Healthy Harrison podcast is brought to you every week. Uh, it's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here and throughout all of West Virginia. If you want more help right now, visit healthyharrison.org or visit the Healthy, Healthy Harrison Facebook page and uh, give us a like if you would. You'll find lots of support and you can stream past episodes of our podcasts on the Facebook page. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. On behalf of Healthy Harrison, Amy and I thank you for joining us today. Next Friday, Amy and Brock will be talking with John Cooper and John and Julie of Clarksburg City Parks. Again, thanks to all for watching. Thanks to our guests. We appreciate it. See you next week.